Welcome to When I Was On My Mission, the podcast where missionaries tell true, unbelievable stories that they experienced firsthand. I'm your host, Brian Jensen. If you like this podcast, please tell a friend, subscribe, and leave us a five-star rating in your podcast app. It really helps us out. Welcome to another episode. I am Brian Jensen, your host, and super excited to be here with Austin Guyman. Austin, thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, no, happy to be here. It's awesome. Yeah, thanks for making time. It's good to meet you. Just to get a little background, Austin, where are you from? So I am from St. George, Utah, just the bottom corner of Utah, basically. It's a little desert town. Very cool. And where did you go on your mission? I went to Guatemala, Guatemala City to be specific. Yeah. Guatemala City. And I'm assuming you spoke Spanish while you were there? I did. I was fortunate because there were other missions. There's like 20 Indian dialects there or something like that. And I'm glad I was, yeah, it was just Spanish. That's all I had to learn. Oh, very bad. good. When missionaries get in country, I'm sure that's where they have to pick up those dialects. They don't teach those actually at the MTC. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Or- yeah, actually, when I was there, they didn't teach them. But like halfway through my mission or something, we heard from other missionaries, you know, filtering in that they started teaching some of like the Mayan dialects and stuff like that in the MTC because I went to the Guatemala MTC as well which was nice because it's like full immersion type of thing but yeah it's kind of cool so when I started no but I think towards the end I I don't think the MTC is there anymore actually I think they filter everyone to Mexico now now I think well before they would teach the Indian dialects and stuff which was really cool Awesome. And just thinking back to when you were submitting your papers and all that type of thing, you got your call. Were you excited to go on a mission? Oh, yeah. Like, I was I was definitely scared, I think was probably the number one concern because like, I'd never been out of the country. I just I mean, we would travel to maybe California was like the farthest I'd ever been from home, you know, but I was definitely excited. I knew it was what I was supposed to be doing at that time in my life. And it was definitely like a new adventure, for sure. Very cool. And what do you miss most about being a missionary? Overall, I miss the fact that like, I don't know, I feel like in life, there's so many unknowns and I'm in your mission. There's definitely some unknowns, but like there was so much structure in the mission. As far as you wake up at this time, you go to sleep at this time, you set appointments and you go to these appointments. All you really had to focus on was just like being able to have the spirit with you. And then on top of that, just doing good, which was a really cool feeling. Yeah, I totally agree. That structure sets you up well to to feel the spirit. Like you're saying, when you're studying habitually every day and there's a time dedicated for it. And like, mm-hmm. I totally, totally agree with that. And maybe just one more fun question. Did you eat anything crazy while you were in Guatemala? Yeah, I... Uh... The the one that sticks out the most to me, and I don't know if this was just what the local people called it or if this is the actual name for it, but I remember it was called something like revocado, which we went to a member's house. And I mean, basically every meal was like beans, eggs, tortillas, and then maybe some type of meat. And we sat down and we started eating and it was... It kind of looked like a chili. And I'm like, oh, this is cool. I haven't had this for a while. I started eating it. It kind of tasted good, but it was a little weird. So we asked this lady, we're like, hey, what is this? And she's like, oh, it's revocado. And I looked, my companion was a native. And I said, what is that? And he just had like wide eyes. He was like, oh, no. And basically what it is, is from what I understood, because she kind of explained it, they take the pig head and then maybe other parts of the pig and they just put it in a pot 
with some water and other things and just slow cook it. And eventually all the brains and everything kind of slowly melts off and it creates like a stew. And then they just pull the skull out and then they season it a little bit. It kind of creates like this chili. Anyway, yeah, we were super sick from that. But that was probably the most interesting, crazy thing that I've eaten. Well, awesome. That's fun to to get to know a little bit about your experience getting called on a mission and some of those fun things. And yeah, I heard you have a great, great mission story and would love to hear from you. Yeah. For about six months of my mission, I, I served in this little town in the middle of nowhere. It was actually kind of like St. George. That's why I liked it so much. It was like a desert. It was hot. It reminded me a lot of home, like the landscape, just being in the desert. I'm like, oh, this is nice because most of Guatemala is a jungle. So it was kind of nice to be somewhere like that. I served there for about six months and my companion at the time, he was he was also an American. And we've been working there for a while. And then basically what happened is the Relief Society president, her brother, came into town. And and all we knew about him really is that he had originally lived there and he had helped the elders like go on visits and stuff, which was awesome. I don't know about your mission, but we had to like really fight to get members to go on visits with us. We had to have certain amount of lessons with a member and all that. So this guy comes, he, he lived in the Eastern United States for a while too, because he would speak English to us. He thought it was fun. And he was a personable guy. So we're like, Hey, this is a cool guy. And he didn't have a job or anything. And the Relief Society president, she just wanted us to take Tony was his name. I think she wanted us to take Tony out on visits. She's like, he just needs a good influence. Like who better than the missionaries to do that? Yeah. And we're like, Oh, that's awesome. Especially since, you know, he had work Like I said, all we really knew about him is that he kind of spoke English and he had worked with missionaries maybe a year or two previous to that. So we're like, oh, this is an awesome opportunity. One, we can get some lessons with members. And then two, we can also use him and and he can take us to maybe some of the places because, I mean, our area book was just paper and pen. Missionaries get lazy. Things don't get updated. We don't have a database that we log stuff into. It's people get left behind, you know, and that's just like the unfortunate truth of it. So we're like, oh, he could take us because we had a huge area he could take us to some places that maybe they had visited previously. Anyway, it was all great. So we're like, this is awesome. And we actually went a couple of times with him and he showed us some new places and new people. And we had some success. And we're like, this is like, things are turning up. And we had set a date for like later that week to go out with him again. Right. Anyway, a day or two goes by and we were in between appointments and we got a, a, a phone call from the Bishop. So we answer it and he's like, Hey, are you guys with, are you guys with Tony right now? And we said, no, but actually this afternoon we're going to go meet up with him. He's going to take us to some more places. And he said, well, I, I wouldn't go if I fire you or like, why? Like we're having great success with this. You know, this is no one else is wanting to go with us. Why would we not go? And he was like, well, one of the members just barely reached out to me saying that he was approached by Tony and Tony tried to convince him to help him kidnap both of you and use you as ransom money, basically. He was going to basically kidnap us and hold us as ransom, right? <laughs> we're like, what? He's like, yeah, I, I wouldn't worry about it too much because we're like, well, what are we? They don't really teach this in the MTC. They don't really, at least in my MTC, they weren't like, hey, if you're almost kidnapped, you know, this is what you should do. No, they don't go over that. Well, we were asking him, like, well, what should we do? He's like, ah, I would just stay away from him. And in my head, I'm like, this kind of merit something more than just avoiding the guy because it was a fairly small town in the middle of nowhere we're like are you sure shouldn't we call someone you can't really call the police there either because it's guatemala the police don't do anything really they don't care yeah but yeah. tony had tried to persuade another member to kidnap uh-huh. you so the relief society president had recently just gotten married okay, okay. 
her new husband and this Tony guy were like, kind of, I mean, it's his brother-in-law now. Right. So, right. I mean, they were kind of close, but we knew this new guy very well. The, the new husband, he was super nice and knew he was actually a recent convert of the church, like a great guy. Yeah. I guess Tony approached that guy and was like, Hey, listen, I, cause he was having, we found out he was having money problems. Right. So the reason he used to live in the capital and he came back to the country because he owed some of the bad people in the capital a lot of money for oh my gosh. I don't know if it was gambling or just debts that he owed or whatever. So he fled to the country to get away from them. Well, we also found out that he kind of made some bad friends there too and he owed them money. So he's like, I'm I'm in some hurt. So basically we told this guy's like, hey, listen, help me kidnap these Americans. We're gonna hold them hostage. And then whatever money that we get from it, and I'll pay off my debts and I'll split it, whatever, with you. So that was his grand idea. Let's kidnap the Americans and get some money, right? And was, your, was, was the release, sorry, I'm laughing. I know this is probably like extremely serious at the time. It's just yeah. so ridiculous to hear no, this. No, it's funny that. now, for sure. So was the Relief Society president, did she kind of know that he had like a troubled history and was trying to get him to associate with you guys? Not only just her, we found out like most of the war leadership knew. And actually... <laughs> I guess fast forwarding, I'll get back to this, but fast forwarding, we talked to the, because a couple of the elders that had worked with in previous, they were really old in the mission, but they were still there. We're like, hey, did you know this Tony guy? And they had done the same thing, but he like stole their stuff. Like he stole cameras from them. And we found out that, yeah, most of the leadership in the ward knew that he was not a good person. They were basically hoping like, a Hail Mary that maybe the missionaries can have him find Jesus. Like, I don't know what their thought process was. So it wasn't just the society president or just the bishop. Like most of the leadership just basically didn't want to tell us that, hey, he's not the best guy, but we're just going to see what happens. Type oh, of thing. Yes. Okay, so bishop tells you don't go. Yeah, <laughs> he's like, hey, don't. Avoid I'm him. like, uh. We had a couple of other appointments that day. We just canceled all of them. We're like, we just need to get home. And we need to like pray. And we need to figure out what we should do. Because both of us felt super uneasy. So we walked home, we got into the house, and we like barricaded the door, basically, like locked everything. And we just knelt down and prayed. We're like, hey, you know, we, we don't know what you do. This guy's telling us. Anyway, we, we decided, we're like, it wouldn't hurt to call the mission president. That's probably a mission the, president worthy. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I'm like, this is probably something the APs wouldn't worry us, like bothering the mission president over. Yeah. Funny enough, about a week and a half before I left on my mission, my grandparents wanted to take me to a movie and I'm like, Oh yeah, it's probably the last time I'm going to see him for a while. Let's just go. I didn't ask. And at that time in the theaters, the Saratov approach was playing in theaters, which is that, that movie about the Russian missionaries that get kidnapped and beat and everything like that. (laughs) So in my head, I have the Saratov approach going through my head. I'm like, this is real life. This, they promised me it wouldn't happen. Here we are, you know, like, I thought, I thought you were going to say that you saw Taken with them or something. Oh, no. <laughs> but Saratov no. approach is, is, is even better. Anyway. It's, it's even more specific. Yeah. I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is great. So anyway, we call the mission president and we tell him everything. We're like, hey, listen, he's telling us to just avoid the guy. We feel like this merits a little bit more. And I found out that there's like an entire protocol for this, apparently. So he basically told me, he's like, I'm going to call up the chain. And you'll probably be receiving a call shortly from the security, basically, of the church. I'm like, oh, okay. And we're like, do we just stay? He's like, do you have food? And we're like, yeah, we have food. He's like, hey, just stay there for the rest of the afternoon, at least, until we figure out. He's like, don't answer the door. Don't do anything. Okay. So then, yeah, a little bit later, we get a call from this guy named Rudy. Rudy, yeah. Rudy is, this is funny later, but Rudy is head of the security for Central America for the church, basically. On the phone, he sounds like just this military guy, just very stern. 
asking us all these questions. What are we going to do? Whatever. And he told us, I think he was in like El Salvador at the time or something like that. He's like, I will be there by tomorrow morning. And we're like, okay, like, this is great. But I don't know the whole moment. I'm like, I had no idea the church even had like a head of security for something. So I'm like, it, it made me feel better that like the church had something in place for this. Anyway, so the next day, Rudy shows up bright and early. He, and he is nothing like I imagine. I imagine like this cut ex-military, whatever. And I think he was ex-military, but he had definitely let himself go. Like he kind of had a belly and he brought like his assistant with him. I don't know who this other guy was, but he had like glasses. They both have like plaid shirts. They looked like they worked for IT. Like it was definitely on the phone and what they were, were not the same. But he knew what he was doing. He was very intelligent, made us feel safe. And he basically said, like, we are going to find these people and we're going to take care of it. And I said, great. Awesome. So he basically told us to stay there. And it was a it was a big area, but it was a small town. So about I think it was for about two days, him and this guy, they basically told us to stay indoors for the most part. If we had like really important meetings that we could go to them, but just be careful. And during that time, him and his assistant or whatever he was we're we're going all around town asking questions trying to find him because we hadn't been able to see him and i don't know if he he got wind that something was happening but yeah we couldn't find him anywhere i remember we were walking one of those days we were walking to an appointment because we actually got outside and we had to go buy some food or something we saw him in the marketplace and he flags us down he's like elders elders whatever because we had he had tried calling us he had tried like coming to the house we just pretend like we weren't home type of thing Tony had or Rudy? Had? Yeah, Tony. 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 Okay. We found, we didn't find him, but like we just bumped into him basically. Yeah. And he like wants us to stop and talk. And we're like, hey, we're really busy. We just keep walking. We're like, we have to go. We have a meeting. He's like, I'll just come by the house later. We're like, please don't. And this whole time, like, hey, we need to get back to the house. We need to call Rudy and tell him, hey, we found him. And we did that. And then Rudy went out and then he couldn't find him. It was just like cat and mouse, you know, for like two days. After about a week, he's like, listen. And we hadn't seen him after that either. He's like, listen, we can't find him anywhere. We don't know where he is. He must have gone back to the Capitol. His family doesn't know where he's at. You know, he's he's gone. He's like, and for all intents and purposes, we can't do anything more. So just be safe, be smart, and we have to leave. I'm like, okay. Still felt uneasy because I'm like, there was still unanswered questions, but we got to continue doing missionary work. And then I think it was like a week later or something like that. Then he shows up again. We're like, what the heck? Like, what is going on? And then again, we have to avoid him. And we call Rudy. Rudy comes back. Rudy <laughs> searches again for a couple of days. And he still can't find me. He's like, elders, I don't know what's going on. He's like, I have searched under every rock. I have talked to every prostitute in town. I have done, like, everything I can. I have talked to the worst of the worst people here. And no one knows where he's at. And again, we had to have the uneasy feeling of, like, this is not resolved. Let me just ask you, so... I'm sure you're probably talking to your mission president or were you talking to your mission president? Yeah, I think we would call him. I think at the end of every day, he wanted us to just call and check in because he knew we were pretty shook up about this. And he was a new mission president too, getting thrown into the fire for sure. Like, <laughs> Did he say why he wasn't just going to emergency transfer you out and like close the area for a minute? So, or I mean, there was a couple, like we were the zone leaders at the time as well. Oh, okay. So I don't know if that had anything to do with it. And since... I don't know. It's it's kind of hard. It's one thing because Guatemala, I mean, it was dangerous. I mean, you'd see guns, you'd do a bunch of stuff. Maybe there was like some gray areas. And if it wasn't us, maybe it would be someone else, you know? So, so he's going to transfer you to some other dangerous area. Where yeah. Like it's, <laughs> and they're still going to have to send, like I said, we were the zone leaders, like someone's still going to have to come in our place. Like this isn't getting fixed, you know? 
And yeah. since no one could find him, they're like, it's not technically a problem right now. So I guess we'll leave it alone. I love and, it. It's just such an adventure to be on a mission. Anyway, right? keep going. Um, yeah. Oh, I forgot to mention too, at certain times during like those two weeks or whatever, because they couldn't find him, they're like, okay, we're going to use you guys as bait. We're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and they basically would just send us out and they would just watch us for like a day working, just working the streets and stuff. Because we had told them that we had found him just randomly. He would bump into us. So they tried to use us for bait a couple of times too, but it never worked really, which is frustrating. So they can't find him. No one can find him. And again, we're still super uneasy this whole time because there may or may not be a kidnapper wanting to take <laughs> us and use us for money. Fast forward again, like maybe another week. And we're, we're working like in the middle of nowhere, basically up in the hills. And we don't have the best service, but we finally get into service and we we get a call from the bishop again. We're like, oh, great. What is he going to tell us? He wants to go out with this guy again or something. He basically tells us, he said, you know, elders, you guys should know that they found Tony today. And we're like, what do you mean they found Tony? He's like, well, they found him this morning in the basketball courts and his debtors had caught up to him and they basically decapitated him and left his body and his head in like the communal basketball courts. Oh, no. Just like left him there. So there's a there's like a wave of emotions at this point, right? Because one, you're like, okay, I don't have to worry about this guy anymore. But at the same time, like that's that's pretty brutal. Yes. Like his his debtors here in town or in the capital or whatever had caught up to him, and they basically just took care of him. Anyway, so that was that was kind of how it all kind of climaxed. And then he basically told us that they were going to have a service for him, and he's like, we'd really like you guys to come and be a part of it. And me and my companion are like, no, like, why would we? He's going to kidnap us. Yeah. Yeah. Why would we come to our kidnapper's funeral? Like, that's not okay. So we basically just made up some excuse like, hey, we have some appointments that we can't miss on this day. So we're not coming. And we just stayed away. Later that night, we're like, hey, we should probably tell Rudy because we had a cell phone number. Like, we should tell him. And we call him. We said, hey, Rudy, you know, they, they found him today. They found him in the basketball courts. His debtors had caught up to him and uh, they, they basically decapitated him. He's like, oh my gosh, elders, I know what you're thinking. He's like, I didn't do this. He's like, that wasn't us. And we're like, Rudy, we didn't think that you, <laughs> I didn't think a church organization was going to operate like the mob and like take out a hit on a guy that was threatening missionaries. Like, but he was slowly convinced that we were calling him to be like, Hey, did you do this? Like, did you? Yeah. So he was kind of relieved and basically told us if we ever need anything to, to give him a call. Did you keep Rudy's phone? Like, do you still have Rudy's phone number? Just in no, case? it's on the, it's on the middle <laughs> just, phone somewhere. Just yeah, maybe, we could, maybe we could call him in and see what his take was on it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I need to track down Rudy at some point because I'm sure he has amazing stories. He kind of sounds oh, yeah. like like Porter Rockwell a little bit. Like, like who's this guy yeah. that shows up to solve problems? And yeah. Uh, definitely a lot more dorky looking than Porter Rockwell. <laughs> I can tell you that much right now. Like, you look at a picture of Porter Rockwell, like, that's a hard guy. You That's know? a hard guy, yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, he made us feel safe in certain times, so I'm thankful for him in a lot of ways. Man, that's crazy and hilarious that the first place Rudy went was, um, no, guys, it wasn't us. <laughs> yeah, he's like, no, it wasn't us. We're like, We didn't think it was you, but thank you for clarifying. I mean, that is wild. And, and even me just kind of listening to the story for the first time you go through some emotions there because, like, you're glad you guys were safe, but it's also sad that this guy threw his life away and yeah. then it ended like that. And, you know, just kind of put things in perspective. I mean, in North Carolina, there were some some dangerous, you know, situations that you could get into like you can in any big city. But 
doesn't seem as prevalent or like definitely nobody's getting decapitated or things like that like that's crazy yeah. so that that is a new experience to to hear about definitely from a mission standpoint yeah so austin thank you for sharing that with us and just a question that i ask to everybody that comes on the podcast yeah i'm sure that your mission had ups and downs and more spiritual experiences than the story you just shared with us and <laughs> probably also some other crazy ones too but with uh thinking about that experience in its totality was it worth it going on a mission oh 100 i would i would redo everything i i look back on a lot of things that have happened in my life since like even coming home and stuff like that and it's it's definitely been like a a building block to allow me to get through harder things or or more difficult things or i remember just having horrible horrible days and finding ways to cope with you know rejection finding ways to cope with sadness finding ways to cope with um just just all the emotions that you take good and bad in the mission and i think that has helped me so much in my life and i'm so grateful for it so yeah 100 percent. well i couldn't agree with you more there's so much to get out of it and just such an adventure austin sure. thanks so much for joining us really really appreciate it no thank you brian it's been fun i hope you enjoyed this episode of when i was on my mission if you or someone you know has a great mission story we would love to hear it please email us at contactonmymission at gmail.com or DM us on Instagram or Facebook at when I was on my mission. If you like this podcast, please tell a friend, subscribe, and leave us a five-star rating in your podcast app.